This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. This is the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, Nick Gillard and Dr. Kernaz. We are talking everything where the Eagles are concerned, and those Eagles where they are flying high, soaring high, just outside the top four, only on goal difference, and it is a packed show this evening. We're going to be talking all about that, the international break, their game on the weekend against champions, Man City, although Palace have good vibes when they play those Manchester teams. Jonathan Smith, ESPN's Manchester City correspondent, will be joining us later. And a very special guest will be joining us in just a short amount of time. Former Palace player Emerson Boyce. If you do have any questions or you have any questions for the team, please let us know. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us on 0208 70 20 558. We want to hear from you. This is your team, your voice. And as DR just tweets out, we are live now. So yeah, tune exactly. in. Yeah, you was a bit scared. Yeah, that you look at it as like, what? You don't even have Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah you See, gotta, I just know that. Yeah, I've got it right in front of yeah. me here. Yeah, technology. Yeah, I'm watching every move you make. <laughs> this is literally, mate. So the eagle eye, yeah? The eagle on... Oh, no, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. There we go, there we go. And I'm out of good puns already. This no, is it. don't worry. <laughs> Let's talk about Palace then. It has been the international break. Real football returns this weekend. That's what I like to say. But I made an argument earlier. I don't know whether you'll agree or disagree. I'll soon find out. Mm. Out of all the teams in the Premier League, if I'm a Crystal Palace fan right now, I'm the happiest at this international break. Am I right or wrong, Nick? Yeah, when you consider that we haven't been that good and we're sixth, it's it's all right, isn't it? They were kind of doomsayers who wanted us to kind of be a bit lower down in the league because they wanted to get rid of Roy. But no, I'm happy with where we are. The big thing is the next five games, which, you know, I think where we are at the end of that 
will give us a much better barometer of how we should be feeling. But yeah, we had the international break, so we were in that position for a week longer. I think that happened last time as well, didn't it? We were. It's always nice because exactly. just on the flip side, before I bring you mm. in, the I was just talking to West Ham, and they said this international break's gone on forever for them because obviously you beat them last game, <laughs> but they just have to think about it, they have to wallow over it, and they said, you know, normally in football, every two three days you play again, and the, the previous game's forgotten. They have to linger on this for a little while longer. You can linger on that victory and being up uh, in the upper echelons of the Premier League. Yeah, but it's it's kind of worrying because after the <laughs> international break last time, we went on to face Tottenham. Don't spoil away it, from her. Yeah, but you have to. It is kind of worrying. It's not all like um, nice and sunshine. It's like we've got Man City. We have to be real about this. We, we're the chance of us losing is very high against City, of course. Why? You beat Man United. Yeah, I know, but City's different You beat type City of last year. Yeah, I know, but there's still chances. We're not favourites going into the game. They're favourites. But, yeah, I mean, the international break is good because I actually like what... It sounds crazy, but I like watching international football as well. Um, mm. Not England. I watch Turkey. I feel like... We, I was having this debate yesterday. Many, like, m- many a talking point from the Turkey game. We won't get into, into yeah, those exactly. as well. <laughs> but yeah, so I like the international break. Yeah, I'm not I'm not mad on the international break. Just, you know, I love the club football. If it's an international tournament, brilliant. I love it, but I can't get up for the games. I just feel like it stops the rhythm. It stops the momentum. Yeah. And, and how do the players feel at the clubs? And obviously some go away on international games, DR. And, you know, you want to see them play for, the, for, their, for their nations, for their countries. But from a Palace point of view, you don't want any players to get injured either, do you? You don't, but... In a way, it could work out in your favour, such as Christian Benteke. He actually went and scored a goal. And when I was watching the video, I was like, all right, where is he? He must be in the box. But he, he took a shot from outside the box and he went in. It's like when you're at Palace, you're in front of Free goal. Christian is Benteke. That, Hashtag maybe, start the movement. Is that, maybe <laughs> now, maybe he's, he's going to become a free man. And hopefully when he comes to Palace, he's, he's just going to carry this on. But that goal could be massive. So international break, it could work in your favour, of course, such as... Ben Tech is scoring a goal, but then, then again, there's always that worry. What if Wilf got injured? What if another player got injured? Then that could be a massive low. But yeah, I feel like this international break, if you're looking at Palace players and how they've performed and what happened it went quite well for us I don't want to say that Christian Benteke has been written off by Palace fans mm. but Nick <laughs> is that could all it take you know a few goals on international duty sparking back to life is there a case because I am I, I think I'm the only one harping on for it but could we see him in full force for Palace ever again I tweeted that he was trolling us I really <laughs> thought <laughs> that it was it's just typical Palace we can only hope can't we why we not we can only hope you're talking about players getting injured it was worth Wilf going away just to see that assist he, he did for Pepe uh, against the... Uh, Sublime. It uh, was Con- Sublime uh, the against Arconga. the... Yeah, um, Bala- lots of mm. Balassi and Zaha tweets after the game because they're there besties, was. aren't they? But it was just incredible. It was They were statuesque of the defenders, weren't they? And then Pepe had the thing to say it was a team goal. <laughs> well, I don't know about... I, I didn't see the build-up to it, but yeah, brilliant skill from Zaha. I just wonder what's going to happen with Benteke. I don't think, oh, he scored a goal against San Marino. He should start straight away. I don't think that's the case. But then again... You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection... Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If he, if, let's see how he reacts in training. Of course, Roy Hodgson is going to be around him and Roy Hodgson, he sees him uh, around three to four times a week and we see him only for 90 minutes. So he'll know best, but hopefully it gives him a bit of confidence because he's so low on confidence and I've said it on the show before that I just don't see a way back for him, but... <laughs> I'm just doing ifs and but what if this this is the thing that turns him around? I don't want to get too carried away. It you could started. Ha- it could happen. I mean, interesting. He's getting a game, and you've got uh, Batshuayi Chelsea worried that he's not going to get a game for Belgium for getting game time. And there's talk about him going in January. I mean, I don't know whether Palace would ever have him back for. Would they? That's twenty two million. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't even have to think about it. Yes, we would. Yeah, that's, that's why I was surprised when Nick um exactly. Because when he came into Palace at January, he just settled in so fast and he <clears> understood <throat> what was required required from him, from Roy Hodgson. And he scored goals. It's, that's that's all that matters. It's like one striker. I know Jordan I is now scoring goals as well, but it's just one striker that just came in, settled very quickly and was scoring goals. And, all that, and that's all that matters. And he's not really getting the opportunity at Chelsea. So that's something that I think as Palace fans, we should keep an eye on. I'm not saying that it's likely to happen, but there is a chance there. I don't he, um, think I think he wants to play um, first team football, and he's, he'll still stay in London Premier League. And it seemed like he enjoyed his time at Palace, and also he had a good connection with the players and also the fans. So that's something to look out for. He bought into the ethos really quickly. Yeah, but I wasn't really umming and ahhing. I'd, I'd bite your hands off for him <laughs> that for that money, and I'd let them have Benteke as well just to seal oh, the deal. Oh, wait, he just scored in the exactly. week. Give the man a break, Nick. <laughs> yeah, but so did Sorloff once. Right, let, let's quickly <laughs> talk about Benteke because if there was ever a reason we're going to see him start scoring the goals again for Palace or back in the starting lineup, would we argue that it has to be this weekend? Because I know Roy's not just going to change his plans or his game plan after one international break, but we could see maybe that, you know, this is the time the confidence could be there. Why not try it now this weekend? Yeah, maybe look, not the best team to try I'll, against. I'll, but I'm not. Re- it sounds crazy, but I'm actually not looking for Ben Taker. If he scores a goal, that'll be fantastic. But what I'm looking for him <laughs> is to have a bit of confidence to actually shoot the ball. It sounds mm. crazy, but we're talking about a striker who doesn't shoot the ball, and when he's even in the box, let alone when he's outside the box. That's why I was very surprised when I actually s- saw him take a shot and he go in from outside the box. That's what I want. I just want little steps like that. Maybe he's been told, though, hold up play all the time, bring other players yeah, time. Right? They're just Sometimes you just have to forget about tactics and take the shot because those times, I think it was against Wolves at home, where he just took so many touches and he's inside a six-yard box. It's like, just take a shot. That's it. You don't need to do anything else. Take a shot. But he wasn't taking the shot. That's why I feel like it's nothing to do with tactics. I think at times, we've, we've talked about it, how Roy doesn't play to Benteke's strengths. But then again, when he does get opportunities, recently, most recently, he's not he's not finishing them and he looks absolutely poor up front. So I feel like it's a combination of both. But what Benteke can do after this is that if he has got a bit of confidence back, show it. Show it to the fans and show it to Roy Hodgson because that's why he hasn't played. I don't, he came on last game against West Ham, but he's not really getting the opportunities that he was getting previously. Well, and I feel like because, Roy's realised that. That's because players are so 
lacking in confidence in him. They're not passing to him. When he does get the ball, he hasn't been very good at all. Last game, he was on for three minutes. He got booked for time wasting, I think. Yeah, and, he kicked the ball away. And kicked the ball away. And it's hard to showcase what you can do in three minutes, isn't it? The, the fans would be so... It would bring the atmosphere down if he was in the starting lineup. But it's also very harsh mm. on... Jo- I, feel, I feel like it's very harsh on Jordan Ayo as well. He's because, playing very well lately. Yeah, he's playing very well, but where he's not going to get a break if Benteke doesn't go up to the next standard because it seems like Roy has lost faith in Benteke and then there's no one else to play up front. And you saw Jordan Ayo towards the end of the West Ham game where he was very tired. Mm. And over the tour of the season, we've seen it with James McArthur last season and Andros Townsend. It could take a... It could impact I you as a player. See, I want to see all the players looking tired at the end of the game. If they ain't looking tired, no, they the ain't done the, enough. No, at the end of the near towards the end of the season, you have to admit, what we Fatigue. didn't. Yeah, what we didn't do last season, it seems like, is player management. Like not enough player management, and you can see that some certain players, they just from the start of the game, they weren't at it as they were in the start of the season, and I'm worried that that could happen with Jordan Ayew if we don't actually look after him. Is I, that sorry? Is that why Angels has been on the bench? Do you think then just I, to 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 settle him down a bit I, I don't think so I feel like Andros has been on the bench because since the start of the season he hasn't been performing up to the standards that he has before and he, he has deserved to drop but then again these last few games his performance has gone up there once again he got an assist against West Ham scored against Norwich at home so Andros is a different case scenario but yeah with with other players we need to make sure that we're, but Luka Milivojevic before the West Ham game I think how many 62 games something uh, I'll get to figure out in a second but 62 yeah, come on, games was, don't bring it to the yeah, table then you don't know like, the full fact yeah, mate yeah but I said <laughs> in the, I said, international football I forgot about it but I said in the review pod yeah he played for like 62 games without a single minute off and that is a that's nearly two whole seasons it can take the, the like it, you know it works his toll obviously in a, in a long season the Premier League is a long tough season I just want to quickly ask whatever, whatever we feel about Benteke mm. whether he's starting or not or other players are on international duty when they do go away and they do well it can only be a positive for Palace because it's a selection headache for Roy now he's got this dilemma you know well he's, he's not done great for us but he's doing he's, he's done well on international break you know it, it pushes players on now it can be an option to bring these players on because let's see if it can work out now let's see if they've got that confidence back yeah it, uh, and that's why I feel like this is massive week for Benteke in terms of training as well he needs to go to the training ground with the same mentality and show to Roy Hodgson look I have changed I've got a bit of confidence now. You need to give me a chance against Manchester City. But now it's all on Benteke because Roy Hodgson has given him chances over chances and fans have got onto Roy Hodgson for that. Now it's Benteke. Go on, show me what you can do. Show me what you can do. Strong words from DR. This has been a passionate 15 minutes. I've absolutely <laughs> loved it. You two firing at each other. Let's do more than one hour, two hours, three hours with the back of the Nest podcast. One player who will know about going off to international breaks, coming back, fitting in with the side. It is former Palace player Emerson Boyce. He will be joining us on the phone next. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, Nick Gillard and DR Kernas. What a fiery opening segment to the show, talking about the international break. We haven't even had a game and we still managed to debate everything where the Eagles are concerned. And you can debate with us too. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us on 0208 70 20 558. Well, 
we're going to shut up for a second because a man who knows a lot more than us and we are delighted to have him join us now. It is former Palace player Emerson Boyce. Emerson, thank you so much for joining us tonight and giving us a little bit of your time. It's a real delight to have you on. Firstly, I hope you're well and and what have you made of Palace's season so far? Good evening. Yeah, no, um, yeah, Palace has done really well with this season. Um, they started very good. Well, Hodgson, as everybody knows, is a, a, a decent man, Giant. He's got a, a good track record. So, you know, I think they're six on the table at the moment and has some really, really good results. And obviously, you know, a good result at United as well. So they, they started the season well. Hopefully they can maintain it. And fingers crossed they can just progress and, and have a, a great season. Hi, Amazon. Um, during your time at Wigan, you had the opportunity to play with James McArthur and James McCarthy. What was their relationship like um, at the time? Were they as close as they show out to be um, right now at Palace? Because as soon as McCarthy joined, McCarthy was saying how he welcomed them. What were were both their relationships like? Yeah, I think they they both came from the same team when they came uh, came to Wigan and they're both relatively young. Um, And they fit in straight away. Um, Obviously, they're, they're close, they're good friends, both you know, come from the same team. So, yeah, their, their relationship's always been there and been good. And, you know, MacArthur obviously shown his quality already, you know, at Palace. Um, you know, I've seen some of his um, performances and been very, very good. And McCarthy, um, you know, no doubt is a very good player. Um, didn't quite happen to him at, um, uh, couldn't, ha- couldn't quite happen to him with um, at Everton. But I'm sure Crystal Palace fans will, will see <clears throat> how good he is when he, when he finally gets into a form and injury-free. Yeah, you're right. Um, it's a bit of a palace reunion at Wigan, wasn't it? Because you had Victor Moses. Was he there at the same time as you, Vic- Victor? Um, yeah, Vic was. Yeah, Vic was there. Yeah. And uh, and Ben lifting the FA Cup. Uh, what was it like? Was it like being with the same player at a different club? Must be a bit weird. Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, they they both were young um, when I was at Palace. Um, uh, Victor hadn't broken into the first team yet, and obviously Ben had just been breaking into breaking into the first team. So um, when they came to to Wigan, it was um, obviously people, uh, someone that I knew, um, Victor especially. I t- took him under my uh, my wings and and um, tried to help him guide him. Um, but you know, he's a he's a fantastic. Uh, both of them are fantastic people. And obviously Ben came along and scored the 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 goal for us in the FA Cup final. And look at Victor; he's got, he's got on and played for Chelsea and and represented his country. And you know, he's a fantastic talent. So. Both of them were a great addition to um, Wigan at the time and, and they, obviously their careers have gone on. Victor came to you when pretty much because Palace were go, about to go into administration, weren't they? I think Paul Hart had taken the reins with Dougie. Um, did he mention anything about what it was like at Palace playing under the administration or, or was it all just kept quiet and not mentioned? Ah, Victor's, uh, no, he didn't really mention too much about it. it just um, Obviously it was... He enjoyed his time there, and and he just said, you know, obviously the atmosphere, you know, it was a bit hard at the time. Where obviously going through administration and stuff like that, but I think Wigan got a, a good, a decent deal, you know, regarding getting Victor at the time, and um, he all Victor wanted to do is play football. So he's not the sort of person that really, really talks and and look at things that happen on the outside. He just wants to get a ball at his feet and, and play football, and you know, it shows how his, his, how good his talent is. That's good. That's good. Any any other players at Palace that kind of stick in your mind now that you look out for or, or you're still good mates with? Yeah, the players are, well, a lot of them come to my area now. They're all, most of them retiring now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, Routledge is obviously still out. I think he's still out of Swansea. I think he's um, still doing all right down there. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the players now are, are more or less retired. So, here's a case of a reunion. I, I looked at the, um, 
our game against United uh, in, in a couple of years back, and you know, you realise um, some of the good players that we actually had at the at the time with the team, and you know, it's um, yeah, it was great times at Palace, and I enjoyed every single minute of it. Glad to hear that. We we you beat Man City in a cup final, nicely links to our game on Saturday. Um, we've got Sacco, we've got Kale at the back. We've also got Dan and Kelly and Tomkins. I don't think Sacco and Kale could play together because I think they're too similar. Or one wants to be the boss, and so does the other one. What What do you reckon about our defensive choices? No, I think I think like uh, most teams that play well against uh, C, it's the whole back, it's about the whole team. Um, you know, people could say that Emerson Boyce against um, Aguero had no chance. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a rally of it all. But if the team do well. Um, you know, as I've shown in this season so far, we you know we're going to certain places and getting good results. That you know, as long as the team plays well and solid, then anything's possible. And um, it's probably the right time to play City at the moment, where they're having a bit of a, a up and down season so far. And you know, Palace are doing well. It's going to be a, a, a tough game, but I think I think they'll go into the game confident that they'll they'll get a good a decent result. And you know, why not? They're playing well at the moment. City are, up, are playing up and down. So, um, yeah, I think they can get a, a really, really good result. We've got a manager, Roy Hodgson and uh, Pep, going against each other. Different philosophies. You was in the game for a very long time. How much during your time when you were playing has the game developed tactically, such as um, you see managers asking more tactical demands rather than um, just going out there uh, with less, like with more of a free-throw football? I think it's changed in terms of um, managers now are coming out and letting you express yourself. Um, you know, Guardiola came in and no one thought his way of playing football would suit the Premier League. And he just blew that out of water. Well, Roy Hodgson's more of a, a solid um, a solid manager, I think, and he sets his team up to be hard to break down. Um, whether that's the old school way, but as long as it works, it doesn't make a difference, you know. Um, but no, it's uh, how the game's changed. Um, I took... I t- you know, it changed quite a lot for me when when we had Steve Bruce, who was very much a solid person, everybody together, you know, be hard to beat. And Roberto Martinez came in, and he was very expansive and, you know, played openly, and it was a shock to the system, to be honest with you. But, you know, he, he proved to the extent his way of playing is, is the right way, and, you know, that's what the Premier League's doing at the moment. Everybody's trying to play the right uh, not I won't say the right way, I'll say more openly. Um, but it's a result business. Um, and Roy Hodgson's shown at the moment that his way is, is working and I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the, in the Premier League that are lower down that will, would happily swap places with him and play more defensively but you know it's, it's, uh, it's not always pretty on the eye but as long as it gets uh, the results that's all that counts yeah, Emerson, I couldn't agree more. It is a results-based business. Palace currently outside that top four, but only on goal difference. And it just brings me back to the start of the season when, you know, we was unsure what to make of the Eagles in the season coming ahead. You know, didn't really invest in the transfer market. Sold Wan-Bissaka. Worried where the goals were coming from. A shaky start. Not conceding many, though. A very good defence. Worrying about the goals. Now, though, some very, very good results with some mixed performances in the bag. Like, like I just said, outside that top four, what's the realistic aim this season, Emerson, and what what can they uh, uh, achieve uh, this season? What's the expectation? I think if they look at their position now, I think they're I think they're sixth or something like that around that run out sort of um, a mark on the table. Then, if they can get into if they can break into the top six, it'll be absolutely fantastic. Um, I think you know look at the teams are that are fighting for the Champions League spots, and and you know you look at a lot of the teams that are coming outside of it. I think if they can finish seventh. Um, 
even six, seven, six will be a, a you know a, you know a great great season. Um, you know I think Wolves done it last year where they finished half in the table and and obviously as long as they can get ch- uh, European football, you know <laughs> that would be um some you know some <laughs> season they had you know going into the next season playing European football is uh you know it would be a dream for most players. So you know I think Wolves is doing a, a really really good job. Um, he's got a good foundation there. I think the key was keeping Zaha. Um, I think um, I think they'll keep him for the January window next season. It'll be I think it might be a bit tough to keep him, but I think that was the biggest coup they they've done this um, this the last summer in terms of keeping him, and it shows his value to the team and and it gives everybody a lift. And they, they've got a good squad there, um, a lot of good players, and I, I'm sure they'll build up uh, build on to uh, come January in the next season. Well, Emerson, it was a real delight to have you on. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time. We really appreciate that. We, we know you're extremely busy. Emerson Boyce there, ex-Palace player, telling us an insight of the club and to the days he had and the players that he knew. Really insightful there. But the news never stops at Palace. We're going to carry on. We're going to look to that game on the weekend and we're going to see if Palace can do the double over the Manchester sides. We've all got one and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joining the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, Nick Gillard and DR Kern, as we were just talking to Emerson Boyce there. And what a delight that was, really, to talk about his time at the club and the memories that he has. We was also talking about the international break. Has it helped? Has it hindered? Well, Palace, they are sitting pretty just outside those top four places, but only on goal difference They've got a tough game on the weekend, but they know how to get a result against those Manchester teams. Nick is laughing, but we want to hear from you because this is your team, your voice. So please tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us on 0208 70 20 558. You can also WhatsApp on the same number. Just quickly, let's turn our attentions because there wasn't a game on the weekend for Palace, but it was international break. We spoke about it earlier. DR, we want to hear about Turkey as well because two (laughs) important matches last night. But of course, before we talk about the football, before we talk about the matches, we have to talk about uh, the horrible scenes in Bulgaria for the England national side. And obviously, Phil Alexander, uh, Crystal Palace chief executive, he was at the Bulgaria game uh, to saying disgusting, disgusting scenes, DR. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the Turkey game, so I wasn't able to watch the England game, but I went on Twitter and I saw what was going mm. on and afterwards I saw the videos and I just find it absolutely disgusting that yeah. this has happened in 2019 and I feel like the pressure is really on UEFA now because I don't even understand the free principle rule in the first place because... Protocol, absolutely yeah, embarrassing. I, yeah, it's embarrassing the fact that mm. there has to be a PA announcement of for the fans to stop. That shouldn't happen. This is not a normal situation. Mm. It really isn't. If it's if there's a racism incident, the the game should be stopped immediately because I I personally don't know how it feels, but I could just only imagine what Tyrone Mings was feeling that time, like whilst playing the game. You can see in his, there was actually mm. uh, starting images for as well. England. What yeah, should exactly. be a memorable night for him? You know, one yeah. he's going to talk it's, about his family it's, with. It's horrendous, and yeah. this wouldn't. If you ever just go and ban, do a stadium ban or whatever, that sends a wrong message. You can't do that. I mean, 
if we're talking about racism here, it's not mm. a normal situation. And that's what I'm fearing the most. I feel like UEFA is going to go out there and they're going to give them fines and stadium bans. And it's nothing. Not, exactly. Mm. That's nothing. And it sends a wrong message. And well, you're in a sticky situation right now where if the England players walked off, then I feel like more people around the world would be like, wow, like players walked yeah. off. But then again, you don't want to let the racist wins. So they stayed on. And credit to them because it, it must have been a very, very hard situation for you to stay on and get abused like that. But... I'm telling you now, I'll say it again, the pressure's on UEFA. If they do the wrong thing, then I feel like the FA here should take actions as well and say, look, enough is enough. We can't, we can't, the free, the free protocol rule is nonsense and a strong action should be taken. Nick? It, it's a tough one. I think that the government should be doing something. They've got people openly Nazi saluting in, in the stadium. They've got their faces on telly. The, Okay, you getting arrested. Yeah, just get them arrested for doing it. It should be against the law. Um, it's difficult because it's not all of the Bulgarian supporters. My next door neighbour's Bulgarian. He predicted. He said we're rubbish. It'd be seven nil to England. So he was only one out. But he was. It's, he came out and apologised to me this morning. He said that's not my country. Yeah. And I don't know how many of the fans it was in the stadium that did that. But you've got to remember the collective punishment. It's it's not good for everybody. You've got to get the people that are doing it, not the country. And also the young viewers that are watching, like you know, we're meant to be showing the next generation coming through. And 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 I couldn't agree with Dr. More on this one hundred percent because. Like you said, whether it's Bulgaria, it's whoever, whatever nation, they need punishment, rightly so. It starts with UEFA because it, it, it could be another nation next week. You know, what is this? Oh, we're in, we, they go through three stages, then we might do something about it. Like, free, free warnings. It's absolutely embarrassing from UEFA. And the fact of the matter is, I don't want fines. I don't want uh, being told about it or, you know, maybe deducting a point or a goal or whatever UEFA want to come up with until they're actually doing something about it. What I want is, no, we're not docking points. You're not taking part in the next qualification. I don't care if you've got hot talent coming through in your next prospects. This is how you've acted. You know, you re- you really don't like the punishment. It's really simple. You don't do it. And as disgusting as it might it might sound, there may be situations where, let's say England do walk off, that people encourage do ra- like people who who were doing a racist chance, they they manage to win because. They know that England will walk off. So in other games, let's say England face another country and similar situation happens, people are going to know that there's a chance that England's going to walk off. And let's say that they do do it, then they already think they're going to win. So I don't think this is a situation where it's just a matter of, oh, um, let's just, as I said, the stadium and match... um, the stadium and the fines. I feel like that does nothing. And it's a bigger issue as well. It's not a simple issue of, oh, let's just... um, you know, let's just throw Bulgaria out the whole competition. It's more of an education issue and it relies on the countries itself. And I, I can only imagine your neighbour who came out and can you imagine being in that situation where your country is being portrayed as this and mm. it's going to stick by them. It's so hard for everyone involved. It's just such disgusting scenes. And you can see that they done. They came with the intention of doing that. Yeah, Because they left, they left that they left that before half time. And, and another problem is is the manager coming out going, oh, I didn't hear anything, I'm denying yeah, it. And I, I know today people said, oh, well, what's he meant to do because it's his country and he, he, he don't want to go against them. But when we've got a problem where people, you're saying it, the, the uh, 2019, when people are still denying that it happened when it's 
on TV. We're watching it. We're hearing it. We can see it. I mean, we can't. We, how how are you denying it? And and even to the point where you wait for going. Well, maybe we'll get an announcement at. What what do you mean we'll get an announcement at? What is going on here? What would have been more powerful than anything else would be the Bulgarian team walking off. But it's, it's like well, they'll never do it. I mean, I, I, you're completely right, but they'll never do it. They'll exactly. never do it. They'll never do so it. Maybe the, the only... And this is where DR said we, we need. They need to be taught about it because they need to lose something. Because w- what is the punishments? And the fans don't care if the team loses. It's not them that loses. It's never them, is it? <laughs> maybe the kicking them out of the competition will force the the whatever country well, is to do yeah. something about it. Well, we're, we're, it's, it's horrible, horrible scenes last night in the international break. But we're going. We are. We could talk about this, obviously, a lot more, but we are here to talk about the Eagles. We're going to talk a little bit about transfer news and a little about who could be coming on the way because we want to see some activity in January. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show. What an enjoyable show tonight. Fiery on all the subjects. And we haven't even had a Palace game. I've really enjoyed (laughs) myself tonight. And I hope you have. And you can still join in with this evening's show. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us on 028 70 20 558. We are in the studio talking everything where the Eagles are concerned. I'm joined by the back of the Nest podcast, DR Kernaz and Nick Gillard. Well, DR, you are... The man in the know because he's looking nah. at me, he's worried. It's not January, it's October, but we're already, we're, we're Nick's laughing, he don't want to do it. We're going to do a little bit of gossip, we're going to do a little bit of speculation. We don't even know if Palace will spend in January, but there's a few names that are already being rumoured, aren't there? Yeah, uh, one of them is uh, Ozan. <laughs> <laughs> so I put him on the spot, yeah, he knew like, this was coming. Yeah, one of them is uh, Ozan Tufan. I it's not from, coming from me. It's coming from you other sources. This. No, but it's not. I'm not the one putting the news stories out there. So Ozan Tufan, and um, we've we were linked with him in January, I believe. Uh, he plays for Fenerbahce, and his position they they say that he's a midfielder, but he can actually play right back as well. And this season, I've pretty much watched every game that he's played in. And what, what have you made of him so far, Dio? Look, before when we were linked with him around January time, he actually had issues off the pitch, and I was not encouraged by that. Uh, Fenerbahce were not playing him because of I think. Um, his diet and his weight issues so there were issues but now he has come back this season and he has sorted everything out and at certain games he has looked like the man that changes everything mm. I mean he's only played right back but he's got the strength um, he's he's committed and I feel like now I would accept him our team after what I've seen so far this season I wouldn't accept him as a midfielder because yesterday for Turkey even he was playing central midfield and I don't think he's got the technical abilities, especially in the Premier League, to control the midfield as our other midfielders do. But I mean, as a right back for Joe um, to compete with Joe Ward, I think it makes ter- uh, I think it will make sense. And also, in terms of how much we'll have to pay for him, I don't think he'll be in the twenty millions. I feel like Fenerbahce will probably accept something for ten to fifteen million and. It- Nowadays, that's what realistically that's that's a good price. So we signed him in January, and with Roy's record, Nick, you getting in on the transfer gossip? No, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, well, yeah. Right, he's no, laughing. Just, he's hey, laughing. Now he's here. I just had a thought that every yeah. every every player that Roy signs, we don't see him in the team for seven months. Well, it depends. If Roy likes him, you do with Gary Cahill and McCarthy. Yeah, so I don't know if Roy really knows about Tufan. I'll be honest. I doubt he does. But I mean, it's it's. If, of course, you have to, the manager and uh, Doug Friedman will probably speak and um, Steve Parrish, but we need to make a right back signing. We can't go full season on with Joe Wood. I mean, that is a very, even us going with Joe Wood at this stage is very risky, but to go to full season, you're just 
playing with fire. So well, you got yeah. Kelly that can cover. You've got Schlupp who can cover for PVA. You've yeah, got, but right back, know, there's no one for. I don't see Kelly as a cover for right back. To be fair, the goals are more important at the moment. We're not letting any goals in. We're doing really well. It's the fact we're not putting goals. That's in. That's if we about when injury creep in. Well, I, actually, I want to talk about that. Let's 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 tread off the beaten path ever so quickly because <laughs> yeah, Nick, you like that? I know you're a teacher. I think you've been working <laughs> on it. Uh, let's quickly talk about Gary Cahill, and I want to talk about him because I feel like. I'm not sure this is the right word, Nick. You can correct me on this. But I feel like towards Cahill this season, before someone came in for him, there was a little bit of snobbery towards him. Like, he's got a little bit old. He wasn't at the level he was. And I, I, maybe this is overboard, but I feel like he's been an absolute revelation for Palace this season. I am eating my words because I said exactly those things that you, you've just said. And I think he's been as signing in the last three or four years. He's, he's made that much of an impression on me. Uh, he seemed to slot into the captaincy against West Ham. It, it just seemed natural that he would be the one to take the armband. And again, he gets the club. He loves his football. He knows that he's in the twilight of his career and he wants to give his best. And he wants everybody around him to give their best as well. He, he won't have it if they don't. I was in a similar boat with you. Um, when we signed him... Is a two-year contract, and you look at his age, and I was just like, "Oh, we're." You was fearing the worst. Yeah, exactly. And plus, we're tight on on budget, so I was like, "Was this really the right choice?" But I mean, he's proved me wrong as well. He's he's the alpha. I I I see him ahead of Saka because even when he played next to Saka, he was a more vocal player. I was watching them two in particular. He was a more vocal player, and I feel like the captaincy at West Ham. He just, as Nick said, it was just natural. He's just a natural leader, and he's been such a Massive signing for us, and I was actually thinking about it. I was talking to an Arsenal fan. I was like, he could have been, he could have done a job at Arsenal because in terms of playing out, one hundred percent. In terms of playing out from the back, I actually didn't know Cahill was this good. He can actually play. Well, out they from the signed back. David Louise. I mean, you would argue that Cahill's been better. You know, David Louise is younger, and they say he's a better passer yeah. of the ball. But come from the same club, it's it's a it's a good argument. And uh, and these words get used very very quickly. Like he's been fantastic. He's been yeah. brilliant. But I want to say that Cahill, I know it's a small sample size, but he has been very, very good, if not brilliant so far, hasn't he? Completely, completely. You talk about passing at the back. Arsenal mm. can't seem to manage that, can they? Well, that's, a, that's another show. That's a <laughs> that's right, but I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. But, you know, we've only got like 20 minutes left, Nick. Everybody's <laughs> hours. Doing, everybody's doing it. Arsenal can't do it. A little bit of pressure. They're, they're worried. I think that's what we need to do at City on Saturday, isn't it? Where they're, where they're playing playing out expansively from the back nah, we have to be smart with it we just you don't want to open up too much space against City but yeah, we'll talk about that in a second we're going to talk about it in a second it brings us on perfectly to it because you're saying that you have to be careful against City play out from the back although City they've tasted a few defeats this season they're not at their you know their rampaging best can the Eagles get a result on the weekend to tell us more Jonathan Smith from ESPN will be joining us from Ali to Zaha we've got it covered Love Sport Radio. That's right. It's time for the opposition view on Love Sport Radio. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joining the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast. Nick Gillard and Dr. Kernas joining me to talk everything where the Eagles are concerned. And someone else joining us now. I'm delighted to say as well, Jonathan Smith, uh, the goal, co- uh, the Man City goal correspondent. Jonathan, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time. It's a real pleasure to speak to you once again. It's a huge game on the weekend. Any game. Co- 
coming back from the international break is big. But, you know, Palace on a high, beating West Ham, just outside of the top four on goal difference. City coming off that defeat at home to Wolves. This is a fairly bigger one than uh, people may think, Jonathan. Yeah, this is this is a game that City could really do without. Uh, like you say, obviously, you know, Palace are in good form and, and City just haven't been at it this season. For whatever reason, obviously, two brilliant seasons. I don't know, it's a bit of a hangover from that and they've just, just not been quite at it in the first few games of the season. And we saw last season, Palace have uh, got the players to cause them problems. So, yeah, coming after the international break, coming out on the back of that Wolves game, this is uh, a really tricky fixture for them. Um, with City, it seems like there's um, they have injury problems at the back with Laporte out and, of course, Vincent Company's gone. Do you think that Palace could take advantage of that? Yeah, I mean, Laporte is is the big loss. You know, I think Virgil van Dijk rightly gets all the headlines. He's been brilliant since he went to Liverpool. And Laporte's sort of gone under the radar. His impact is City. He's really, he's a real leader in that in the back four. He's out until, well, January the earliest. So he's a big loss. Um, John Stone should be back for the weekend. He's back in training. So he's got a chance of playing. Um but, you know, like you say, without company, without Laporte, the defence has really struggled this season. So, I mean, I, I, looking at Palace's forward line, I mean, I've always thought, I always thought Zaha is just an absolutely fantastic player. I haven't seen a lot of Palace this season, but from what I understand, Jordan Ayew is getting rave reviews, which mm-hmm. I, I, I found slightly surprising. But if, he, if he's on his game, he can cause Otamendi problems, he can cause John Stones problems. So, you know, the City's defence is there to be got at, certainly. Yeah, I mean, Jordan I surprised us all, to be fair. I don't think anyone expected Jordan I <laughs> to be this good. Even Palace fans, when we bought him, um, many people were saying, why do we actually go ahead and buy him after his loan with Swansea? Um, but I mean, the last time, uh, not last game, but of course, there was a game against Norwich where City went on to lose, um, I think it was 3-2. And then afterwards, the following the following Premier League game, they beat Watford 8-0. Do you feel like, in a way, that this could go against Palace because we saw what happened last time when City went out for revenge. This time around, they lost against Wolves 2-0 um, before the international break. Watford are rubbish. Yeah, but Wolves... They're really rubbish. Yeah, but 8-0 still... Yeah, but they're really rubbish. <laughs> it's 8-0. <laughs> it's 8-0. But do you think that could happen? A similar situation could happen? Not 8-0, but City could come out blazing. Yeah, yeah I won't be putting any money on 8-0 just yet. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, City could punish really good teams if they're not on it. Um, I mean, the, the one thing I would say about Norwich is they were they were very brave in the way they played. They were they were comfortable on the ball, they were playing out at the back um, and they, they took the game to City. Now, the last couple of times I've seen Palace against City, they, they've been more of a counter-attacking game and they, they've tried to soak up the pressure last time at Sellers Park. I think if they do that again, that might just play into, into City's hands. They, they need to go and attack City because they're vulnerable at the moment. The confidence isn't, isn't high. If, if they go for it, if they, if they really put City under pressure, that, that's the best way of getting something out of this. They, they, they can't go into the game thinking about uh, you know, about, about City uh, stinging from that defeat to Wolves. They, they've got to think City are, are left for taking. Pep Guardiola, is he, is he up for, for bringing a team out of the doldrums? Because, you know, by City's standards, it's, it's, um, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, but that's that's against very very high standards. I mean, the last two seasons are just remarkable, aren't they? 198 points in two seasons. 
Um, yeah, they've, they've had they've had setbacks in the past. Obviously, uh, you know, twelve months ago there was back to back defeats at, uh, at against Palace and against Leicester, and it was looking like Liverpool were taking control of the title race. Uh, it, it's not been a great season, but you know, it, they're still they're still the second best team in the country, and uh, they're only behind Liverpool. They've won every single game, so it, I think. Well, Guardiola keeps saying it's very early days, and that's right. They've got Liverpool to play twice. If, you know, win their two games, twenty-two points, and, and Liverpool are going to have their their time in the season when they struggle. So, uh, you know, he's, he's certainly more than comfortable at, at, at overturning that deficit. When they start getting players back, obviously, De Bruyne has got a shout of being in the game uh, on Saturday. He, he missed the Wolves game. He's been. He started the game. Uh, started the season. Absolutely fantastic. Um, he's averaging an assist every game. So he, he's been missing. Obviously, the year. So when you, when you get into January, it's going to be a very, very strong team again, and they'll be ready to, to go for it again. Do you think there's, um, of course, Pep? Pep's going to be positive early on, and it is early on in the season. But do you think around City fans there is the genuine concern that? This season, they could actually lose a title to Liverpool. I mean, I think it's eight points now that uh, City are behind Liverpool, and it's just the whole atmosphere does feel different between the two camps. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, Liverpool are a, a fantastic team, no doubt about it. And uh, the thing is, they've got to, they can't allow that gap to get any, any greater because Liverpool haven't won the title for thirty years. And, They've been in two title races against City in 2014, last season, when it went very close. Both both title races went to the final final day of the season. And you know, there is that, that that thing about Liverpool that until they actually win that title, the, the pressure is so great at Anfield. City have got to keep that pressure up. Um, there's certainly there's no there's no doubt about the quality of Liverpool. That they are good enough to win the league. I mean, they won the Champions League last year. Uh, Scott. Well, Jonathan, we have to put you on the spot. What is your score prediction for the weekend? <laughs> it's, it's a really tough to predict. I mean, if you had it, it, you know, it, could, it could be 3-0. Uh, so I, I think Pep will get a response, so I'm going to go for that, 3-0. 3-0, Jonathan, you've not made any friends in the studio, but as always, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Jonathan Smith there, the goal correspondent, the Man City goal correspondent, excuse me. He said 3-0. He said they're going to bounce right back. Pep will want an answer. He's going to get one on the weekend. Palace are at home. They're not conceding many goals. It's been a brilliant start to the season. I know City, when they're playing, they're an absolute force. 3-0, though, does feel strong. Although, listen, one of the best teams in Europe and if not the world, you know, on their day, they can pull anyone apart. I don't know, though. Palace are going to be up for it. Nick, what are you saying? Firstly, before we do predictions, how do you think the game will play out and how do you think Roy will sit up? And where can the Eagles hurt Man City? Well, if if De Bruyne is playing, you're going to need somebody on him. I was going to ask Dia, would he bring Milivojevic straight back in or do you do you stay with a starting line-up that did so well against West Ham? I think Luka's coming back in. I just think even um, at the start about how he's he's hardly had any time off um, before this uh, suspension. I just think he'll come in for McCarthy and we'll just go on from there. I don't see Roy really making that many changes. But in terms of 
this game, I think the key is just remaining. Even the West Ham game, what I said was just, it sounds so simple, but remaining focused for the whole nine minutes because when you switch off um, for five minutes, for example, City's got that quality to punish you. And last season, uh, when we were playing West Ham, that did happen. But of course, against City, when we were when we were away from home, we managed to get a result. But if you look at that game in particular, everyone played a role. Every single one of them. It's coming from Max Meyer to um, Wan-Bissaka, which we, we of course we don't have anymore. But every single player on the pitch played a role, and that's what we, if we were to get a result, that's what we need to do for a whole ninety minutes. So you're saying if we can't have any lapses of concentration, that you'd be bringing Townsend in for Schlupp because Schlupp's been doing well, but he, he has had moments where he disappears in games. With with a team like Man City, I don't think we can afford to have him, have him in there, not concentrating. I think that's a bit. I feel like Slup, yeah, he does have bad game, but so does Van Anho and so does other players as well. I mean, Wilf didn't start the season off perfectly. Um, I think he will still remain by Slup because he's got the pace for the counter attack and also Townsend. It's been working so far, him coming off the bench. Of course, Andros would want to start because he feels like he deserved it now after the two performances yeah. but I think he'll stick with Slup and he'll just try hurt them with a pace on a counter-attack and it's also a good option to have Andros Townsend um, coming off the bench uh, let's say after 60 to 75 minutes I'm punishing the City defence especially if it's nil-nil because City as the game goes on they'll tie a one and second of all they'll open up a bit more because they'll try to push for it so if we keep Andros Townsend on the bench and bring him on after it'll make sense and also Another final thing is that Andros needs to... I mean, two games, he has been good, but I feel like another two games or another three games of him being good, then he could start because you don't want to push him to the starting lineup too quickly. Oh, it makes for an enticing game on the weekend, Nick. You know the questions coming. Obviously, Jonathan said 3-0. Jonathan Smith, the Man City goal correspondent. I'm pretty confident you're not going to say 3-0 to see, or you might. What are your score prediction? I'm going to go for two. If we have the sit back and try and hold them, we're going to lose three or four nil. If we actually try and take the game to them a little bit, I think we'll win two one. You don't want the, the way that Palace started against Spurs, obviously. That could be no, the danger. Yeah. This is where the danger is. Like DR said, you need to hold out nil nil, then Palace can get themselves into the game, get a foot in that game. So, DR, what will your score prediction be? I think I'm going to go with two nil C. I really, um, really thought you were just about to say 2-0 I would absolutely <laughs> love What's it. What's going on? John? Well, 2-0 and 3-0, and obviously 3-0 for Jonathan, clean sweep for City, but Palace are at home. I don't know. There could be a different day. It'll be exciting. Anyways, 5.30, the game is on TV, but this has been the Crystal Palace Fan Show with a Back of the Nest podcast. I was joined by Nick Gillard and DR Kernaz. Next week, join us at the same time every Tuesday, 8 till 9. We'll be reviewing the game on the weekend and talking everything where the Eagles are concern eagles eagles thanks for downloading this podcast from love sport radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at love sport radio on twitter it's the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, 
Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.